I've built this company up and I'm going to give it to you guys. That was probably quite disheartening, really. The rest of the company didn't know about this and we we're going to make this a big announcement. Was it going to be a sale? Were we, you know, were we being bought? You know, were we buying someone else? And they made the big announcement and I suppose, I wouldn't say it was deathly silence, but there was definitely people in the room. You know, there was definitely clapping and everyone was happy, but there was definitely also that aura of, oh, what does that mean? Does this mean that there's going to be, I'm going to own shares in the company? Is there a risk for me? And there was definitely that sort of, like not the applause and amazement that we, we sort of all expected. Welcome to the Confessions of an Agency Owner podcast. I'm Chris Ailey, your host. And today my guest is James Leavesley, CEO of digital agency Torchbox. When James joined, it was owned by two co-founders, Ollie and Tom, and they had an exit strategy that was a little bit different. It was not to sell to a third party or a bigger agency network, but to hand the keys over to the team through what's called an employee-owned trust. Now, not only did James find himself in a position as CEO where his job was to manage the business, but he also had to lead it through a pretty major transition and help the team understand what this meant for them. I was keen to find out more about an employee-owned trust, what it is, how it worked, and most importantly, what it was like to go through that process. Hope you enjoy the show. Have a listen. So, James, thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing? All right? I'm good, Chris. You okay? Yep, really well, thanks. We were just talking about the Easter holidays, weren't we? We've got uh, yeah. two weeks of battling kids to come up with, so <laughs> we'll finish this on a Friday today. <laughs> um, so first of all, it'd be great just to find out a bit more about, about the agency Torchbox. Can you just tell us a bit about what you do and who you are, etc.? Yep, sure. So Torchbox is a digital agency uh, and we specialise in the not-for-profit space. So that's public sector charities, healthcare and higher education. Uh, and we sort of uh, specialise in three areas. So first of all, designing um, and building products, digital products. Secondly, digital marketing. And thirdly, we are the creators of a content, an open source content management system called Wagtail. Um, we've been around since 2000, so almost 23 years, 23 years in May. Um, and we're about 130 people now and still growing. That's great. And, and what makes you a bit different is obviously that you're an employee-owned trust, isn't it? So that your yep. employees own your company. Can you just explain what that is and, and how it all works? Yeah, sure. So, I'm, you know, there's lots of different types of employee-owned companies. And, you know, some of the ones that are sort of famous and you'll see in the news, John Lewis at the moment. So John Lewis is, a, is an employee-owned company. And there are other ones. So if you've heard of Ardman, the, the founders of um, Wallace & Gromit, uh, yeah. Also, Richard Sounds, you probably know Richard Sounds from your youth, where you used to buy yeah. your separates and speakers and things. So there's quite a few different employee-owned uh, models. We're an employee-owned trust, and what that essentially means is that the original founders sold the business to a trust, and the trust owns uh, the company on behalf of its employees. So essentially, what that means is that um, the founders have to sell at least 50% of their business to that trust. So they can retain shares if they'd like. Uh, in our case, we're 100% employee-owned. But if, you know, in other cases, they sell 60%, 50% and different models around that. So how does that work in terms of the, the, the founders then? So at one, one point or at some point, they've come to a decision that what they want out or that they, do they retain a, a share in that and then all of a sudden the, the people run it? How, how does it work? Yeah. Are the, the founders still in the business? Okay, so um, like most founders, I suppose, there's a point where 
they get, um, they've been running the agency for a number of years and they're thinking about their sort of exit strategy. I suppose the most obvious one is a trade sale, so selling off to a bigger organisation. Um, and, you know, I've been involved, so pre-Torchbox, I've been involved in WPP, which is obviously a very good example of where, you know, a, a sort of um, larger company that buys lots of different agencies. Um, yeah. So I suppose one of the challenges of that is that you then lose your identity and you become part of a big group. Um, and the, the, the sort of benefit of the employee-owned trust is that the founders get to sort of continue to shape uh, that business for the first few years at least. Uh, and it means that you sort of can retain your identity. So particularly for Torchbox, where we're working for not-for-profits and, uh, and we want to sort of retain that. You know, what we don't want to do is we don't want to be working for uh, large corporates. We want to work for sort of not-for-profits or public sector. And it allows us to sort of like focus on our on our on our future um, in terms of the founders uh, the idea is that they sell all or in our case anyway they've sold all 100% so you go through you know essentially your the the company is buying the business off the original founders um, so you go through a period of a number of years that depends on what how you value your company um, to buy that to buy those those shares essentially back off uh, the founders and then at the end of that they can then decide whether, whether they stay at uh, the company or they can leave and then it's completely employee owned uh, in our case Tom and Ollie who are the sort of two main main uh, founders are still in the business slightly less days but they still they're still around and where does the money come from then to to, to buy it so obviously the, I mean we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute but you know the announcement yeah. comes that you know we're going to give the company to our to our employees and they're going to buy that business. Do they all put their hands in their pockets and chip in, or where does the where does the cash come from? Yeah, so essentially, you're buying the business out of the profits of your company. So right. uh, over that sort of period, earnout period, uh, there's a big debt that you owe to the original founders, um, and you're essentially over a number of years looking to pay that debt back out of the profits that you earn as a business. So one of the big things is obviously you've got to be profitable to be able to do that. Sure. Um, yeah. That's part of that transition period. And when did you come into Torchbox then? Did you, have you been in there the whole time or did you come in before or after this? Yeah, so um, I started in 2018, so five years ago. Um, uh, and essentially, I joined, as I said, from WPP or, uh, and, and some other, other agencies. And um, I knew at the start that this was Tom and, Tom and Ollie, the two founders' idea. Um, right. And you know, we were on that journey to saying, you know, they didn't want to do a trade sale. They wanted to go down this employee-owned trust route. Um, and that, as at that point, we decided that we would, we would start that journey, which we thought at the time would probably take around five to seven years. So a couple of years to sort of prepare the business for that and then mm -hmm. five years to do the earnout. But, you know, uh, yeah, luckily we've done that a bit sooner, which has been really great. So was that part of your brief when you joined? I mean, was it... Was that difficult coming in as a CEO, knowing perhaps in secret that this was the plan? Yeah, so I so I started as ops director, um, right. but yes, that was that. I suppose that was so the senior management team knew, um, but yes, it was obviously we had to get the business to a point where it was ready to to begin this uh, this uh, this new venture. Um, so I suppose that was difficult, knowing that that, that was going to change, and thinking about how we might need to change the company to be ready. For that that process and what needed to change so what things needed to be in uh, in place for that to happen yeah um a couple of things i suppose first of all you know we talked about you have to buy the debt back from from profit so one of the big things was we had to raise 
our profit margin. So when I joined in 2018, our net profit was sort of in single figures, um, which is not unusual for agencies. We were about 60 people at the time, and we knew that we needed to get that to, you know, at least high teens or early 20s. So essentially double net profit margin, wow, yeah. which is easy, <laughs> um, because that would mean we could, you know, buy the agency back in a reasonable amount of time. So it didn't feel like it was, you know, 30 years away, um, which is important for both the founders and the employees. So that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing, like lots of sort of like smaller agencies, we were very uh, focused on a couple of clients and we needed to sort of like move into a number of different markets and more more clients to sort of balance the risk. Um, thirdly, I think, you know, Tom and Ollie were at the centre of everything we did. So, you know, they're, you know, like many founders have very strong characters. So, you know, uh, Tom is is a bit of a pied piper to our team you know everyone he's quite he's, he's sort of i would say that he is like your typical sort of geek chic so he's definitely someone that you know when he walks into a room he's quiet but as soon as he starts talking uh, everyone listens to um and ollie is a bit more of an alpha male so they work really well together and they were very prevalent across all the work that we did so they pitched they run our big clients they were involved in running the business so we had to move those to a slightly different role uh, and also i suppose the other thing is you know the, the, the torchbox has always been very focused on its culture and its people and we needed to make sure that if we were making these big changes and bringing in some more efficiency and growing we did we brought those people along on that journey and they understood what we were doing and they didn't they didn't you know that didn't affect how they felt about Torchbox. We wanted to keep that sort of culture and focus on the not-for-profit space rather than sort of selling out, as it were. So, I mean, if we if we sort of go to that moment then, okay, so the plan's in place, this is what we want to do. How did you then announce that to your team? And, and, and you know, what did, that, what did that look like? Yeah, so I suppose, uh, so from 2018, uh, we thought it was going to take us two years to get the business ready. Um, and put that structure in because I suppose the other thing to say is that you know when you do a trade sale often uh, the bigger organization is buying a, a certain thing you know you've, you're very big in a, in a particular area or you've got a big client and you don't necessarily have to have the business ready so we spent those sort of we thought it would take us a couple of years to make sure the business was strong enough and and do all those things we've talked about um, it actually only took us a year which was great so in 2019 um we made we we decided you know the rest of the company didn't know about this and we we're going to make this a big announcement so like many agencies we we hired a we hired a a, a sort of um, a building in the Cotswolds got everyone down there and everyone was talking about what was this big announcement going to be was it going to be a sale were we you know were we being bought you know were we buying someone else um, and I remember that you know Tom and Ollie were sitting on these sort of stools. Uh, a bit like a boy band, you know, the stand up for the key change moment where they would stand up um, and they made the big announcement. And I suppose I wouldn't say it was deathly silence, but there was definitely um, people in the room. You know, there was definitely clapping. and Everyone was happy, but there was definitely also that aura of oh, what does that mean? You know, we don't really yeah, understand. Yeah. What it means. Um, and especially over the next few days when we were expecting, you know, emails coming in saying, Tom, and I, you're amazing what you've done. It was more oh, actually, what does this mean? Does this mean that there's going to be, I'm going to own shares in the company? Is there a risk for me? And there was definitely that sort of, like, not the applause and amazement that we, we sort of all expected. So it's definitely taken a couple of years to sort of build that sort of, that trust back in, 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 our, in our team. Yeah, because I mean, I guess from a, from a founder's point of view, it's, it's such a, a generous thing to do, I guess, isn't it? I mean, it's, you know, 
it's a lovely thing to do to sort of say, I've built this company up and I'm going to give it to you guys, you know. And yeah. I think probably from their point of view, that was probably quite disheartening, really, because they yeah. they were probably, like you say, probably expecting all these lovely emails to come in and, and high fives, et cetera. And, and instead, you know, naturally, everyone's like, well, what, what does this actually mean? Yeah, am I suddenly yeah. a director? Am I suddenly at risk? You yeah. know, is it going to affect my credit because I'm, I'm a director in a business now? Or, you know, do I have to pay out money out of my wages for shares? And I think, like, just answering some of those questions, yeah, if, as an employee, what, what did it mean? I mean, how do they... You know, say say someone joins next week, do they suddenly become a part owner of the business? What does it look like on on paper? Yeah, so um, so um, no one owns shares, so the company's right. essentially held in a trust for the employees. So the trust owns Torchbox Limited, essentially. Um, and what happens is, is for us anyway. So you set up sort of, sort of a, a deed of trust of trust, which means you know how that structure. But for us, that means that from day one, when someone joins Torchbox, they become part of that employee-owned setup. And what you what that allows you to do is, first of all, you can pay some tax-free bonuses every year. So that's right. up to three thousand six hundred and pounds and then you can also then on top of that you know share more profit if you have more profit to share so there's no there's no risk to the employees essentially it's held by the trust and then you have uh trustees that manage the the business so as a ceo i run the business day to day and then i have to report into the employee owned trust and then you know about big changes that we're making or you know targets for next year what we want to do about you know pay rise and things like that so I, I report into that trust and that trust runs the company on behalf of the employees so there isn't actually any risk but yeah definitely when we did that change people were worried about that and how that might mean mm. and also a lot of people just got on with their day-to-day -day and you know thought oh this is you know th still a number of years away uh, you know the world might have changed by then so yeah so how does it um you know do, do they get a profit each year is it does it mean what does it mean for their pocket essentially do they, do they if you make profits do they get a percentage of those all of a sudden is is it sort of evenly shared are there different uh, yeah, so, levels based on seniority or so um you know one of the things for me that's changed quite heavily is you know obviously for the period of of earnout that we were going through you know mm. Our focus was on efficiency and making sure we could pay that debt back. Now that we've become financially free, which is the sort of moment where you've paid your debt back, which we, we reached um, in June of 2022, it now changes the dynamic. And essentially, as you say, you know, we don't necessarily want to make lots of profit um, because we want to invest the money back in the, the business. But the profit we do make, we then want to share out among everyone. So the way that it works is... Uh, well, what we do is we then share that profit, first of all, through that, that tax-free lump sum. So that, that's £3,600. And the way that that, that that piece of the um, piece works is you have to share it equitably across everyone. So you have to have some rules in place around how long you've been, sir, you've been working at Torchbox. So for us, that's day one. So that's not a problem. Uh, and then essentially, you have to share that equitably about every, through everyone else. And then on top of that, we then share additional profit share if we've had a good year um, and that then again in Torchbox's um, view we then as well we share that equitably so we don't have a difference in um, how senior you are we just do a percentage of your base salary um, in other companies they might do it differently but that's how we we've got that set up so essentially you know we're not here to make 
lots of profits for shareholders anymore. What we do with the profits is we either give it back to our employees as a profit share or we invest it back in the business. So things like we've set up an academy, um, we've, you know, we're investing heavily in innovation. Um, so they're the sort of things. So, you know, what we want to do is... purpose-driven, if you like, isn't it? it becomes exactly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. either our people gain from it or our clients gain from it because we become a better agency. So it's around that purpose side of things rather than lining pockets of, um, you know, bigger organisations. I've got so many questions. I mean, <laughs> so that... That board of trustees, is that is that like a bank manager, old guy in a suit that you have to go and present your plan to once a, once a year or something? And then he tells you how much you can, how much pocket money you can have to give to everyone? Or, I mean, who is that board of trustees? Yeah, so uh, again, it depends on how you're set up. But in Torchbox's world, we have uh, seven people that sit on our employee trust. Uh, and that, in, that includes the two original founders, so Tom and Ollie. Um, right. And then four other employees that have been elected by the rest of the Torchbox team okay. to sit on the trust. And then actually this, uh, just this month, we've also elected an independent trustee. So someone that's come from outside of Torchbox that can give advice. So uh, oh, she's, a lawyer. she's a lawyer and she, you know, she's got lots of experience in the EOT space um, and can help us set up. Because I suppose one of the things is, so during that sort of earnout period, the the original founders have veto rights over whatever the trust does because obviously their money is still tied up in the business. But right. once you become financially free, they lose that, and essentially, then they're not they're not any different from the other four trustees. So one of our one of our founders, Tom, is actually stepping back from the employee trustee. So we'll have Ollie and then the four other employees, and then I suppose what we're doing is we're bringing that um, independent trustee in to make sure that there's checks and balances around how that's work, that, that works. Um, and we're not, you know, and, and essentially we have a quarterly meeting that I come and present our finances. And then they talk about other things like, what do we want to do about our culture? How do we want to spend our profits? And we have a conversation as, you know, as me as the sort of representative torch box and them as the representative employees to, to how we want to take that things forward. Yeah, because I guess the dynamics, not just for the fa- I mean, the, the dynamics for the founders, first of all, because like you say, all of a sudden then they're as much as, yeah, they're, they're probably going to have a say early on when they've still got a stake in that business. But all of a sudden it's, it's not their decision anymore, right? It's, it's a collective decision as to things that yeah. are happening in, in the business. But also that, how, to, how their roles have changed, I guess, that whole dynamics of where they're probably leading the way and giving all the ideas and setting the direction of the, of the agency. Yeah that suddenly shifts are they sometimes sitting there going well i wouldn't do it that way or you know is it, it i well, guess it's a bottom-up well, approach now isn't it Not yeah so I, think, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think you know as any agency goes through that sort of growth period when you get to sort of like i think you know founders are very good or often very good at growing a business from zero to 50 whether they're good at growing a business from 50 to 150 to 200 in some cases they are you know it's a different thing isn't it you know I suppose sort of naught to 50 stage you're leading from the front you're involved in everything but when you get from to 50 and and, and above it's more leading from the back and actually getting everyone else to sort of grow and become the leaders that they they may have been so you know that that's definitely a transition point and one of the things that we did was um in that sort of early stage of of sort of 2018 2019 what we did was we, we sort of moved 
Tom and Ollie into sort of more of a visionary role. So they were still right. sort of like controlling the vision, but I was brought in essentially to be the integrator, so to integrate everyone else together and get everyone driving in that same direction. And I suppose then what's happened since then is what we're trying to do is build that leadership, um, that sort of middle leadership up so that in rather than the ideas coming from, you know, from the founders, it's coming from the bottom and it's bringing, you know, we're, we're, because especially in the sort of digital space, as, as I'm sure you know, Chris, it's changing so rapidly, you know, one or two people who aren't necessarily involved in everything anymore can't be the people that drive a business forward. It has to come from people with new ideas and that really has to come sort of bottom up. So we've done a lot of work. So one of the first things we did was we split the business into these sort of three different areas so that we could have rather than just one single leadership team, we had sort of three separate leadership teams. So again, that's bringing people into those sort of leadership roles. Um, and also, you know, as I said, spending a lot of money on innovation and making sure that we were driving it through there. So the ideas are coming from within the team rather than from the original founders. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, speaking from my own experience, obviously at the beginning when you're, you're small, you're literally sort of pulling everyone along, aren't you? And, and as you grow, you kind of want everyone to help push it along rather yeah. than you dragging everyone along. And I guess the, the theory of this is that that's right. You know, all of a sudden everyone's pushing into one the same direction. They're trying to, there's something in it for them essentially, isn't there? Rather than just trying to make a founder rich or, or, or yeah. you know, just doing it as a job for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in terms of... Um, that growth as well how has that been in terms of like you know are, are the employees are they having a say in when you when you go for that growth spur who, who has the say in that yeah so i suppose between um 2018 and the summer of 2022 a lot of it was about we want to pay that debt back so you know as i said we thought it would take one to two years to get the business ready and then we were expecting it to take five years to pay the debt back we actually did that in three years so, you know, that we, we managed to accelerate that, which was great. So a lot of the focus at that point was um, about how we grew to make sure that we were ready, you know, we could pay that debt back. Now that we've got to financial freedom, there's definitely now a discussion about, yes, we want growth because we want to make sure that people have, you know, roles and they, they, they can still be ambitious within Torchbox. But it's not all about growth. It's about how do we make the, the company right for its employees and it's you know the other stakeholders so our so our clients so a lot of that work uh now is about what is that sort of like level of growth that we want but before that um you know it's always been the case that torchbox hasn't been about you know just pure growth um and we've wanted to make sure that, that balance has been right throughout that sort of five-year period but to, to do that growth in three years was that tururbocharged by this decision uh Yes, were people, think, you know, were the team suddenly motivated to we want to pay this debt off as quickly as possible, and we want to? Yeah, I, well, so definitely the leadership teams, I think, were. I think whether all the employees within the business were, you know, I don't think that's the case. I think that they, you know, one of the things was they definitely got behind the employee ownership message, but there was still a little bit of curiosity about how that actually what that actually meant for them so but you know the, I think you know by bringing that sort of extra level of leadership in that definitely helped us sort of like grow and also we've been through like a really difficult period as well not it's not just the growth you know we've had covid you know the financial mm. changes that have happened recently um and you know I think we have seen 
subconsciously the business changed to care about Torchbox. And, you know, a lot of what we do is talk about uh, our financials a lot more openly. So, you know, when we were a privately owned business, you didn't, you know, we didn't tend to talk about our finances like hugely openly, whereas now I do a monthly report and say, you know, how we're doing, uh, you know, how our profit's working. So people are more invested in Torchbox. There's still some way to go in that. We're not perfect. You know, I don't think people like every day get out of bed and think I must charge Torchbox forward, but they're definitely more um, set up for that. And, you know, other other examples, you know, so when we... As I said, we, you know, we heavily work in the not-for-profit space, particularly for sort of UK charities, especially in the digital marketing area. And uh, during that COVID time, we definitely saw a slowdown, you know, as, mm. as charities were cutting back. And we actually had to furlough some people. Um, now, luckily, because we had managed to move into different markets, it was only a sort of couple of month period where that was an issue. And we actually had a really great year that year. And we actually ended up, you know, we had a, a discussion with our employees about, OK, we've 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 asked the government to help us with this furlough money. We've actually done well. Should we should. Is that the right thing to do? And we actually mm. ended up paying the furlough money back to the government because we felt like as a company we'd done well. And that was an employee decision rather than just a management decision. I think those types of things uh, help people think about torch boxes are different as, as part of them rather than, you know, yeah, as you say, yeah thinking of it as specifically for shareholders or whatever. So was that a pivot in terms of the approach to the bit, like you say, I mean, like many of us, we, we went through COVID and in your, in your case, obviously charities, people donating less money to charity and I guess they had to cut back. So at that point, you've, you've got to ask a question of how do we pivot? How do we change? How do we, how do, yeah. we do this? And, yes. and what was that going into other areas or other territories? Or Yeah, so the two main things that we've done is... Um, we moved into the UK public sector, so we're strong, quite heavily strong in the public sector, and then also looking at the uh, other markets, so particularly the US for us. Uh, so they were the sort of pivots that we we went down. And I think, again, as you get through that sort of growth spurt, having more people that are focused on uh, looking at the opportunities meant that we had the sort of headspace to do that. And, and also just, you know, being a more structured company helped us think about that as well. How do you find the public sector? I mean, that's something we've always stuck away from, to be honest, because it feels like it's very sort of RFP focused and giving giving out to the to the lowest. I mean, we've literally seen briefs, and it's like oh, we'll stick away from that because they they just want the lowest bid or whatever. How, how, genuinely, how do you find yeah. working in that public sector? Um, it's definitely very different to other markets. So, um, you know, they have a very prescribed way of, um, as you say, tendering. Um, for for um, pieces of work, uh, and also that you know a lot of it you know they have this sort of hundred word question type setup. So a lot of it is about the experience that you've got within the public sector. So we did have to go out and hire people with specific public sector experience. Yeah, but I think yeah. once you get into that sort of like setup, actually, it's you know a good area to move into, and it's a little bit less grey as in some areas in terms of how they decide on. Um, who the winning bidder is so it's a lot more open and you can find out mm. where you're not quite so strong so uh once you get through that sort of break through that sort of initial stage um it uh, i think it's a it's a good market to be in oh, interesting um and then in terms of everyone suddenly making these decisions because i guess with the founders you've got that something you touched on a minute ago you've got that comfort blanket haven't you so you know as a senior management team or as a founder 
you know, you lose sleep over cash flow or, or you know, we've we're losing a client and you, you keep a lot of these things, um, you protect the team because yeah. of that fear of, you know, or they think there's a sinking ship or whatever. And, and how, how have you had to change that? I mean, have you been completely transparent now with numbers? Does everyone always know where you're at when you do have tough moments? Do you find the team, you know, get involved more or to, how have you sort of found that? I guess I'm trying to get into like the mind of employees where yeah. all of a sudden they're, they're doing a day to day job. Then all of a sudden they've, they've got this new purpose in terms of, oh, OK, I'm, I'm now own part of this. But then at the same time, a lot of the reason why people don't work for themselves is, is that stress and everything else. So how, how have you sort of found that the team have coped with that knowledge, I guess, and transparency? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's. It's definitely been a, a slow process. It's definitely taken some time. So as you say, you know, when we, you know, back in 2018, 2019, when we moved the founders into those sort of like visionary roles and, and tried to bring people through to make, to have more ownership, it, you know, actually, well, I, I thought the hard bit would be to get Tom and Ollie to sort of step back from making the day-to-day decisions. And although that was a little bit tricky, it wasn't the hardest part. It was actually getting everyone else to, 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 to sort of step up in a way because they were used to being told essentially what to do. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I think, you know, that has been a journey to a bring new people into the organization that have got that, that sort of more, that sort of that mindset that's slightly different and also bringing people that were in Torchbox already up to speed uh, and making them take ownership of that. But once you break through that, and I think if people feel like they are, they have the autonomy to make the decisions, they, you know, it is something that takes some time, but it definitely has sort of built up um, within within Torchbox. But it has meant, you know, some difficult decisions along the way. So, you know, in those early days, we ha- we did make some redundancies because the structure wasn't quite right. And, you know, that is quite difficult. And, you know, especially for a company like Torchbox, we don't like to do those things, but it was the right thing to do to make sure that Torchbox was set up and had the right... Uh, mindset to move to move forward I guess when that happened then did the team see in redundancies that I go oh hang on this is this is what they're doing here is this the wrong thing to do yeah I, did I, they I understand that it was yeah a part of the process if you like to to get the company set up in the right structure yeah I'd like to think they understood that it was the right setup but probably they didn't you know is the honest truth they probably mm. were you know especially so when I came in as particularly uh, my background definitely isn't the not-for-profit space. So I think people were definitely wary. You know, I've worked for, you know, big banks and those types of things. And people were like, oh, who's this character coming in to change our culture? Um, and, you know, so one of the things that we've done over the years is we've, um, we do uh, Best Companies, which is sort of like an annual survey about how you're seen as a company. So um, we've been doing that since, I think, back in 2016, um, and, you know, it was it was interesting to see those results change over time. So back in 2016, I think we were, I think we were 70, ranked 73rd. Um, and, and the way that Best Companies works, it sort of, it breaks it down into how well you do against sort of leadership, uh, giving something back to the community and a few different areas, you know, uh, training and those sorts of side of things. And although we've always consistently grown uh, between that sort of 2018 and 2020 period when we we're going through this, there was a couple of areas where we actually dropped back. Um, particularly leadership so you know I was sitting there just joined Torchbox I've been here a couple of years we've made this massive change to Torchbox to you know give the company back to its employees we're thinking that it was a fantastic move but actually 
people were like, oh, is this, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking that the leadership is quite as good as it was as before. Now, you know, it didn't move back hugely, but it enough for us to, you know, for me in particular, I was devastated that this, this Yeah, you're the big bad wolf that's come in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, so definitely in those early years, I think people were like, mm, this change, is this change right? You know, we're making these decisions. Mm. How is that affecting me? But, you know, as we sort of move through that, I think people are now more understanding of the way that the sort of journey that we're on and actually you know i think we're uh, in 2022 when we did the last best company survey we were 22nd in the top 100 so we've moved massively wow. up there and in our sector and that leadership thing was higher than it's ever been so i was yeah quite yeah pleased. pat on the back to you <laughs> so you know it's definitely taken time and people have definitely been skeptical along that that journey but i think people are starting to understand although saying that it's still not perfect you know you know, one of the things that you hear if from people that work in in John Lewis is, you know, they have this, they have like posters in the toilets where it says, you know, turn the lights off because it's your electricity bill and those it types of things. Right. And we're not, you know, and you know, people, we're not there yet, and I think it's going to take still some time, but we are definitely moving in the right direction. So just digging into some of that culture stuff, yeah. I mean, you spoke about leadership. So do you get sort of? Um... Do you get transparent feedback in terms of specifics on that or is it just an overall score? So when you're, like you say, you've come into this business with a hard task, really, because you are changing yeah. the whole dynamics of it. And I guess, again, looking from the, the mindset of an employee, yeah, all of a sudden, if you're making redundancies, then are you, are you like I said, the big bad wolf that's come in and, and has been hired by the founders to, ch to change it all? How did you find that? How did you sort of, did you get to see that feedback in terms of, Yes, yeah, so along with the sort of best company surveys, we we also do sort of like pulse feedback within within the company. I should say, you know, we didn't make enormous redundancies. We only made it. We only made a couple, so it wasn't like a huge change. Sure. But you know, definitely, I felt the pressure. You know, as I said at the start, you know, Tom and Ollie are mythical creatures within Torchbox. You know, they've been here for the twenty three years. Everyone loves them. And here comes in, as you say, this new person that's going to sort of like change. Well, you're around. the integrator, right? And I think that's the thing, isn't it? The visionary is this lovely, fluffy role in terms of growth and the big ideas and everything else. And unfortunately, as an integrator, your job's to make it happen. And, and that means yeah. making bad decisions and commercial yeah. decisions and, and really looking into the detail, isn't it? Yeah. So and I think that's definitely at the start, you know, I felt the pressure especially when, when we, you know, when we made the announcement and then, you know, I became MD, you know, I felt the pressure that like, you know, these two people that had been at the, at the sort of like the center of the, the universe for so many years were stepping into slightly different roles. And then I was, you know, charged with, you know, you know, leading, leading things forward. Would I be as good as them? Would people, you know, get to that message? How would that work? You know, so I, that is definitely, and I think anyone in that position, you know, I've, I've, you know, there's, so the, this sort of EOT setup is becoming more popular within the agency world. And I've spoken to other people that have, are going through similar things. And I think everyone feels that that's quite a difficult moment. Potentially it was made slightly easier that I come from outside of Torchbox. So although I was seen as, you know, maybe the big bad wolf to start with, you know, it's not like I had to break down, move from, you know, having peers and, and changing that dynamic. So that might have helped a little bit, but it definitely is a diff difficult period. And especially in those early years, it's quite a hard change to make. Mm. Did you see the benefits in terms of like entrepreneurial mindset? Because again, as a founder, 
you kind of you build a team out and and you really you're desperate for more people to think like an entrepreneur if you like and and you know how can we make more money how can we get more sales how can we advance our products and make it more appealing and all of this Did, have you seen much of a change there what what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in terms of mindset yeah, so yeah so i think you know again that's still an area that we're 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 trying to build but when we when we set up you know and brought in more leaders so we we check we we split the business into these three so rather than having this one senior leadership team that was very focused on you know the vision that Tom and Ollie was uh, outlining we've separated into these three leadership teams and they have their own sort of essentially P&L that they have to to grow um we've definitely started to see that so you know examples include um within our uh, digital marketing space um we've 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 grown new services so we didn't used to do much email marketing and that was something that someone within the team you know had this idea oh we should be doing this you know there's a couple of clients that i think we've asked for that that percolated much quicker up the sort of structure to the senior leaders in that within that and they were like yeah this is a great idea let's let's get get involved in that and now we've got two people that are you know fully focused on email marketing and that's a growing team so that's a you know really good you know example of where that's happened much quicker and you know we've got that across all the different three you know what we call propositions where those ideas are coming up not perfect yet you know definitely it's a it's a growing thing but we're definitely seeing those ideas come through you know ai is another example and how we we sort of make the the advantages of that and that's definitely something that we're getting ideas from our developers and our digital marketers and all the different areas within within torchbox yeah and i guess so with that email marketing, you know, they really take ownership of that then, have they? They really take, because again, it's, we should do email marketing and, and you, again, you could put two people in, in it to run it, but the onus is still on the senior leadership team to make yeah. it work, right? And come up with the ideas that they've taken real responsibility yeah. for that and start looking yeah, at so it as a business, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, how do we make this grow? You know, and one mm. of the things that we're really um, focused on at Torchbox is about the system. It's about the whole of Torchbox. So everyone benefits if the whole of Torchbox benefits so how do we make this grow and how do we work across the other different areas of torchbox to and the clients that they've got and how do we grow this this thing in and 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 work with the other clients so it's definitely something that they've taken ownership of and built so you know and those types of things it's really great to see you don't see it every day but you know seeing those happen and it not coming from the original founders is a step change within within any business i think yeah, yeah, and how, how in terms of like the culture then? So has that changed much in terms of you know the, how people behave, how people um, work together? Those, like you say, those ideas coming out. What are some of the biggest changes you think you've seen in culture from from this whole process? I think one of the biggest changes is we haven't seen that much change. So I think you know okay. when you go from a forty or fifty person business to now we're one hundred and forty. One of the big worries is that you lose you lose that sort of family spirit um as as the company grows and, and we've definitely seen that growth but you know we've we've um recently um had a a four-day trip where we were all together and you know one of the i was worried you know the hundred you know there was, there was i think there was 90 people that went on this trip um and i was a little bit worried oh god 90 people that sounds like a massive number are people going to get on and it was amazing to see that actually all the teams still integrated and still felt part of torchbox they still had that uh, make the world better type of mentality um, and I think you know I was worried that as we grew and became much you know a bit bigger would that change and would we lose that and I feel like we've we've held on to that as well as 
people are starting to feel like owners of the business. And I think as they, you know, as we, you know, it's only last summer that we've hit this sort of financial freedom point, but as they see this, you know, hopefully the, the profit share growing and, and becoming better and us investing back in them, I think that will only get better over time. Still at the beginning of that, but, you know, it really is something that I think people are starting to understand. With that, that growth up to 120 people, how, how have you approached that? Is it about getting your existing clients to spend more money? Is it about winning bigger retainers? Is it about launching new services or, or, or growing the, the client list? How, how have you approached that as, as Torchbox? Yeah, bit of bit of all those. So I think first of, that, of all, yeah. <laughs> you know, first of all, what we wanted to do was was break that reliance on a couple of clients because that's always a difficult place to be. Uh, so what percentage into, of sort of your revenue was those two clients? Yeah, I think it, at the time it was probably sixty percent of our revenue was at, was from those two clients. So that you know is a massive you know when, me coming in, I'm like that's a massive risk. You know, yeah, we must, yeah. that Goliath uh, client. Yeah. So they're, they're sort of like, then they have, you know, so much influence on how we run projects and, you know, what we do. And we had to break that. So we, um, we've invested, obviously, in that new business piece. But also, you know, a lot of the work that we get is through word of mouth. And because of our quality, we've managed to sort of move in into different areas. And also, you know, having those, you know, more people involved um, in that, those sort of leadership teams has meant that we've had more focus on these these different areas. And so, We've grown existing clients. We, we're still, you know, especially in certain areas of our business, we don't want, you know, digital marketing has, you know, has definitely grown the number of clients. Whereas in our sort of product design and build piece, we've probably got larger clients along the way because the, the structure of how we run, you know, sprint-based projects has meant that we've wanted to get larger clients and, and, and de deliver bigger projects. So we've done it in slightly different ways, but definitely moved and wanted to make sure that we lost that reliance on those sort of two specific clients and other things like you know other agencies you know the, the one thing that you always hear from consultants is increase your prices um and we have you know at least at the start we have done that you know one of the things that we're conscious of now is you know with inflation we don't want to pass all that 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 additional cost on to our particularly you know charity clients but you know we're still making sure that we are a high value service um, and, and moving up that the food chain in a way. I think as well, particularly in the times that we've got, gone through, moving into public sector and the US has meant that, you know, there's, it's given us stability. So when one area does badly, like through COVID, uh, you know, that means that we've got that stability, you know, as the UK economy goes through, uh, what should we call it? A little bit of a fluctuation. Uh, we've, got that US, time, yeah. <laughs> we've got that US market. <laughs> like fall back on um and grow there as well so you know having those different areas has really helped us to how did you break into that us market because you work with nasa don't you yeah nasa um google um, how do you win nasa <laughs> well so wagtail <laughs> so wagtail our open source content right. management system it started uh we we actually built it for originally i think about seven years ago so before my time for a specific client um and then it's essentially become an open source product that has you know, got a life of its own. So it's not just Torchbox clients that use Wagtail. It's, you know, it's got a much bigger community. So we not only build uh, Wagtail um, platforms for our clients, but also we have consultancy services for, you know, those, that wider market. So for NASA, for Google, those types of types of clients. And the NHS actually 
uh, also started using it about five or six years ago and that sort of helped us move into that public sector as well so that's how we've sort of helped us move into public sector and in, in, in the US. So is that okay yeah so so moving into that US was wasn't a sort of um, conscious decision it was more it just naturally evolved through Wagtail was it or? Uh, I would say that it naturally evolved like you know many agencies you naturally evolve and then once yeah. we we got that foot in the market to say oh actually people over here then then our strategy was right this is now an area to grow in you know similar in the public sector when the NHS took use of wagtail right we've now got a foot in the public sector let's focus on that so I think that's the that's the thing is you can't always be very prescriptive about what's going to happen but once it starts yeah, to happen yeah. then you have to make the decision. You, like you say once you got the foot in the door do we, NHS do we use it? You should too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's definitely having that drive for a specific uh, focuses has definitely helped us over the last few years. That's brilliant. So, how uh, how is the you know, future looking for Torchbox? What's the plan next then? Yeah, fingers crossed. At the moment, it's looking looking pretty good. Um, you know, I think the things that we want to focus on is, as I said, not growth for growth's sake. So we want to make sure that Torchbox is set up for, you know, the future for long term. So it's about making sure that employee trust is set up in the right way. So bringing that in independent trustee, you know, because at some point I might leave. Tom Olley might finish. You know, we need to make sure that, you know, the sort of people, the, the people that are next in line have a good company that's right, that's set up in, in a right way. So I think, first of all, it's making sure that employee trust is set up in the right way and we're making a few changes around that uh, and also we are doing a lot of work on our sort of vision and values and purpose and making sure that that's set up um, so that we aren't growing for growth's sake we're set we're, we're working on a particular vision for the future um, and and that part of that is about you know how do we become the best employee-owned business not just an employee-owned business and you know as I said that's still happening but I think we've got the, the right sort of footing in place to, to make us to become that. And what advice, last question, what, what advice would you give to someone looking to do something like this? What, what are the things they should look out for? What are the things they should really bear in mind and question themselves on first? I think the main one um, is, you know, as I said, when you go through that sort of trade sale route, you don't necessarily have to be a fully formed business. You have to have things that a larger company likes and then they might fill in the gaps. Whereas yeah. when you're, you go, in, go through into that sort of uh, employee-owned trust way, you have to make sure the business is functioning in all ways. You can't, you know, so making sure that the, you know, the finance, the HR, you know, all the areas that, you know, smaller agencies might not do completely well, you know, you, that you grow up as a business essentially, and you've, 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 you've got that set up so that there's uh, focus on the future and you don't need massive changes. And I think if you've got that grounding, then that's the right time to then move into becoming an employee in trust. And how do they, you know, say if, say a founder today wants to look into this. Do they go to an advisor to understand more about it, or you know, how how did your find founders uh, yes first so of all understand this idea, but then how do you execute it? You know, it, it sounds complicated. 
So there's um, lots of different uh, legal services. So that's a good start. So we used a legal company called Baxendale. So they're quite well known in the employer interest space and they help you navigate that sort of uh, earlier area. So things like how do you do the valuation? So essentially the valuation needs to go through the HMRC. So they have to be happy with the valuation as well as obviously it has to be signed off by your trustees that they're happy right. to take that sort of thing. So, and then, you know, that legal company will help you navigate through, oh, you know, do you want to sell all your shares? Do you want to sell some of them? What happens when you reach this point? You know, there's lots of different things. So I, I would say the first stop is to go and speak to uh, one of those legal companies like Baxendale about how you want to go through that. Uh, there's also the EOA, which is the sort of like body that looks after all these different companies and they can give lots of advice on how this works, as well as speaking to other EOT. So, you know, we're always happy to talk to new uh, agencies or any other company that wants to sort of break into this space and give our advice on how, how it best works. Oh, that's great. So how can people reach you if they do have any questions? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place. LinkedIn. Um, yeah, LinkedIn. So if you send me a message, I'm more than happy to, um, to, to, to answer those. Yeah. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on, James. It's been a great, great chat. Thanks, Chris. Nice one, mate. Thank you. You've been listening to Confessions of an Agency Owner with me, Chris Ailey. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, subscribe to my newsletter, and find out more about my agency at honchosearch.com. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Until next time.